162 games of the baseball season and winter comes along just to end it. So the annual problem for a baseball fan is finding a good way to watch it. Like maybe going to the park or watching on TV or just catching the highlights. Watching Gary Sanchez strike out a hundred times or seeing Judge hit a bomb. Bang! Bogart's making plays, Rafi hitting nukes, or Barnes blowing a save. Arguing with your friend, making dumb bets, or complaining about your team again. As you can tell, there's a whole lot of stuff to hear before winter comes again. Come on, y'all. So chill with us, cause Gamby and Beal are gonna say it all. So chill with us, cause Gamby and Beal are gonna say it all. Manfred! Gamby and Beal are making a podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I am one of your hosts, the Yankees fan of this podcast, Mr. Andrew Gambardello III. And with us, as always, my best friend and co-host and Red Sox fan of this podcast, Mr. Matthew Beal. Beal, how are you doing today? Uh, Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Can you start that? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, that's beautiful. What what happened? Would you slip <laughs> off your chair? What are you What are you doing? You know, um, I I was just so excited that I uh, you know gave out a, a nice burp. Um, just finished up dinner here, so um, yeah, enjoyed that one. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be here. Good to be the co-host. Um, as always, uh, co-hosting this pod with you. So. I mean, this is going to be a good one. Uh, it's We've started off on the right foot. so Yes, this is going to be a good one. We're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline, which is coming up tomorrow. We are filming this on Wednesday. Well, we're not really fi- recording this Wednesday, February 8th. We're going to talk a little bit about where we want our Bulls and Nuggets, respectively, what, they, what we want them to do in the trade deadline. We'll touch on Tom Brady, of course, the GOAT retiring, and then some more Super Bowl preview. But first, I will give a shout-out to the UConn men's basketball team because having a lot of family from Connecticut going to their games as a kid, I've always been a big fan, and they just upset. Not really upset. I expected them to win, and I think every UConn basketball fan except expected them to beat the 10th best team in the country, Marquette Golden Eagles, last night. So shout out to the UConn's basketball squad, head coach Tan Hurley, and all the players. It was an awesome game to watch. But soon enough, some of those players will be in the NBA. So let's talk NBA. First off, the big move around the league, the only, the only really big move so far, and the only move of note is Kyrie Irving going to the Dallas Mavericks 
And the Nets get back Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a first-round pick and a couple of second-round picks in the future. Beal, what's your outlook? Who do you think is the instant winner of this trade? Is there a winner of this trade? And and where do you see both these teams going from here? I, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the Nets won from their standpoint. I mean, Kyrie clearly didn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. Uh, and the Nets were able to get back. I, I mean, Dinwiddie has had, you know, up and down years. And, you know, uh, honestly, I would consider him like a borderline all-star when he's getting minutes because that's what he was uh, before he left Brooklyn. So they, they know exactly what they're getting out of Dinwiddie. He's not going to be your superstar uh, that you had in Kyrie, but he's going to be able to hold down that starting point position. Um, so I think it's huge getting Dinwiddie uh, and then getting the first-round pick. I think the Nets got as much as they could out of that Kyrie trade. Um and it's definitely a step up from what the Lakers offered. I, I heard they offered Russell Westbrook and uh, potentially a first rounder, but I think they just got a little bit more depth in the Mavericks trade. And honestly, at this point in their careers, I think Dinwiddie has more upside, um, especially scoring wise. And that's we're definitely looking for a score. And, um, you know, that's, that's what they got in Dinwiddie. So I think it's a good move on their part. It's kind of like a must uh, move. For them um and they got as much as they could from a guy who just wanted to get out um but also i don't think the package for Kyrie was that much considering his talent level and considering you know what he's capable of and what he's shown that he's capable of especially in um the playoffs so i, I think I, I don't know i'm i'm a little bit torn on the maverick side i you know I, i'm not a big Kyrie fan i i don't like you know the um, the way that he's acted with some of his past teams, you know, promising Boston that he'd be there for another contract and then going to the Nets and kind of making everything seem good. And I, I know there's a lot of media portrayal. They don't seem to uh, be too fond of Kyrie either. So uh, I think, you know, at times he definitely gets uh, the short end of the stick there. But, like, that's, you know it would also be rumors to say that he doesn't cause a little bit of that. So, I mean, just with his personality, you're going to run into something um, if you're making a trade for Kyrie, uh, I, you know, whether he's talking to the media or talking about a teammate, those are risks that you run. But the Mavericks are in a really deep West right now. And I think, that, you know, just like, just like the Nets in this case, the Nets had to make a move. I felt like the Mavericks definitely had to make a move up the deadline to go for another superstar talent um, because the way Luka's playing right now, the Mavericks seem to be a little bit worried that um, it just isn't enough. Like if you have Luka playing at his absolute best, there's not really enough pieces around him to make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, so I feel like that's where the Mavericks are coming from. Um, and honestly, like I said, they didn't pay as expensive of a package that other superstars would, you know, draw in um, because of the the recent stories that have been surrounding Kyrie. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good move for the Mavericks. Ultimately, I, I would call it maybe like a B plus. And the only reason why I wouldn't rate it higher is because of 
the uncertainty of what you're getting with Kyrie. Like, you know, are you yeah. getting someone who uh, is able to, uh, you know, have enough positive on the court that outweighs the negative attention that's brought to the team off the court? And I, I think that's the only question that you're going to have around this um, and what kind of impact he's going to have on the locker room. And, you know, I, I have no doubt that Kyrie wants to win. So hopefully he could put it together. Hopefully, um, you know, he doesn't try to overshadow Luca because I mean, it's Luca's team. I think everyone knows that. And hopefully Kyrie understands his role, um, and plays it well, but you know, that's my only concern there. Yeah, that, that is a, that is definitely a cause for concern for any team that was in a trade package for Kyrie. He is a free agent after this season. Some of the off the court stuff and, and him not being willing to fully commit to a team, or maybe teams aren't fully willing to commit to him long-term, but they're taking a big risk and, but they didn't pay that huge of a price and give respect to where it's due. Spencer Dinwiddie, a six-man-of-the-year candidate year in, year out, having another solid year. Dorian Finney-Smith, 3-and-D specialist on the wing. And then they give up a 2029 first-round pick, a 2027 second-rounder, and a 2029 second-rounder. Those are a long way away. And maybe you can't really grade this deal until those come about. But, I mean, how valuable are those going to be? Luca will still probably be on the Mavericks Come six years from now, he'll be right around 30 years old, 31, still prime-ish. So I think the Mavericks definitely win this trade because their ceiling goes way higher, but their floor right now is a dumpster fire. Like they can yeah. literally, the floor can drop from beneath them. The team before this, it was Luca and the supporting cast. Now it's Luca and Kyrie, two guys who love to play with the ball in their hands. So it'll be interesting to see how they're able to do that. But what I we haven't mentioned so far, Markeith Morris also goes to the Mavs in this trade. So even trade roster spot wise, and uh, Marquise Morris, Markeith Morris is no slouch. And no, nope. uh, I, I think that's another great addition too, especially because Dorian Finney-Smith has been hurt pretty much all year. So I think. I think the Mavs are definitely – I think the Mavs, to me, have won this trade and they've seen an opportunity in the West where nobody is head and shoulders better than any other team. I think of those top six teams, even the top eight teams, anybody can compete, compete with anybody any given yeah. night. And I think the Mavs have just made themselves – at their ceiling – I think is the highest in the West right now. Uh, yeah, uh, you can make disagree. the argument. Disagree. You, you I, can, I mean, you can I, make I, the I argument lost. now. Before this, you couldn't yeah. make that argument. Like on every, any given night, you could not yeah. argue that Luca and his supporting cast were better That's than fair. the likes of other teams. But now I think – Such as the Nuggets. Right. Such yeah, as the Nuggets. Fair. Such as even the Suns when the Suns are fully healthy – yeah, uh, and the Grizzlies when they're fully healthy. But now with Kyrie on the table, I think is a much different story for the Mavericks. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely think there's going to be a lot of movement in the West at this deadline. 
um, the the Nuggets have now pulled to like a four and a half game lead in the West. So, uh, I, I mean, tuning my own horn here because you know, go Nugs. But um, I, I definitely feel like some of the teams are are worried about you know where they're going to end up come playoff time, and you know the Mavericks. It, they don't. They don't want that lower seed. They want to have a top three seed. Uh, come end of the season, they have one of the top players in the league, and um, and now they just added a second, arguably top ten, top fifteen player in the league. So, uh, I mean, there's there's not a lot of excuses there, and um, and I think the Mavericks are honestly afraid of you know getting into a tough first round matchup again, and. Um, I mean, they've just they've struggled to make it deep in the playoffs, and um, and hopefully this uh, propels them a little bit forward, just so that they're they're one of the top four teams in the West, and you know have kind of a shot to to run it deep into the playoffs. And um, I think I think that's going to be huge. That's going to be something to watch out in the next couple of days to see, you know, what the teams in the West do to you know propel themselves or help maintain. Uh, top four position because like you said it's such a deep um western conference that you know you it, well it's a deep western conference but you've got some firepower at the top so like you really don't want to end up being lost in that you know seven to ten seed or like potentially have to you know do a play in if you're if you're one of those uh seeds so yeah. you know, getting into the Top four is great. Getting into the top six to lock in your spot, phenomenal. But, you know, whatever it ends up being, I think the Mavs are just trying to find themselves out of, uh, you know, the trenches of the West. Yeah, I agree with you. The Mavs right now are sitting in sixth, and right behind them is the defending champion Warriors, who are matched up right now with the two-seed Grizzlies. I don't think the Grizzlies and the Warriors want to see each other in the first round. I don't think the Warriors are – content with having to play in the play-in game against the Pelicans team that is very talented. So, yeah, the West yeah. from one through eight, I I could see all of these teams. Maybe maybe the Kings are, are a little bit outperforming what most people saw them. But I think the Pelicans yeah. are a sleeper. I think there, there's a hand – and even the Timberwolves have a lot of talent. So the West is still wide open. And I think this makes the Mavericks definitely more competitive in a loaded Western Conference. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. And and we talk about the Western Conference being loaded, and and I'll let you talk about the the Nuggets last uh, because they are the much better team versus my team, which is the Bulls going to the East. The Bulls have a twenty six and twenty eight record going into the trade deadline, coming off of a loss at the Memphis Grizzlies without DeMar DeRozan. We sit in ninth. We are in the playing game matchup right now. We'd be matched up with the Pacers and then have to beat the loser of the Knicks and Hawks. I think we could fight and get that eight seed. I, I, I think that is definitely a possibility, but I don't know why this, it feels like there's a lot. It seems like Bulls rumors right now are very quiet. It seems like, our GM has been very quiet. It seems like we're not going to do much and we're going to hold for the status quo throughout the trade deadline. And I, I just, I very much disagree with that path forward as a fan of this team for the past 
year. I mean, we finished with 46 wins last year, but after the all-star break, since we've been without Lonzo ball, this team has been a non-playoff team. They have been bad. They are, I think, officially as of last night they are 34 and 47 since last year's all-star break that doesn't include a five uh, getting a gentleman's sweep against the bucks in the first round of the playoffs last year i mean they were nice to us but there's no doubt that this team cannot compete with the likes of the celtics at the top of the east the bucks the sixers even the young and talented cavaliers or the wily veteran-led Heat. I, 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 out of any of those five teams, they're head and sh- they're they're on a different level than the Bulls. I, I do think the Bulls now with no Kyrie on the Nets would probably still lose to the Durant-led Nets, but we could compete with the Nets, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Pacers, the Raptors. All those teams were right in that bunch, but we're not in that top five, and I don't think there's a move for us to be able to get in that top five. So if they, this, so there, there's two options really that the GM's left with stay the course and hope, just hope this team somehow plays better than what they've shown you. They've been able to do without Lonzo for the past year. Cause it doesn't look like we're, we're getting Lonzo back anytime soon or trade some really good assets that we have, such as Vucevic, who's been playing pretty incredible, and he's on an expiring deal this year. Or we have Zach Levine, all-star last year. And not, not that I think we should trade him, but Alex Caruso, I don't want to see him go. But I think Vucevic is a guy you can move. Kobe White is a guy you can definitely move who still has some value. Even Andre Drummond has been showing well of late. I want to see this team sell a little bit or at least make one move to say we need to change up something. There's no reason that we should stay the status quo. This team should be sellers at the deadline. And I, I, I hope that they're able to swallow the truth pill, the truth serum, and, and see see with their own eyes what every Bulls fan has been seeing for the past year since last year's All-Star, All-Star break. Yeah. But you have a much brighter outlook on the rest of the year. Your team is tie is a half game behind the Celtics for the best record in the league so the floor is yours talk about the unbelievable Nikola Jokic led maybe back to back to back MVP Jokic after this year talk to me about your nuggets what do you want to see from them this trade deadline yeah I um you know I obviously the nuggets are in a bit of a different boat than the bulls are um you know, they're they're trying to maintain that number one position in the West and, you know, have for quite some time and kind of battled it out with the Grizzlies, uh, you know, team who's kind of overcoming some injury issues recently, but um, have made it to almost a five-game uh, spread between first and second, which, I mean, came as a surprise for me as a Nuggets fan. I, I think 
you know, I, I figured it would take a little bit more time with MPJ and Jamal Murray coming back and, you know, getting over their injuries in the past. I, I thought, you know, there might be some days that uh, that we needed to rest our best players early on this season. But about 50 games in, we're looking very strong. Um, like you said, Jokic is killing it. He's averaging a triple-double. Um, obviously, I feel like that would get a little bit more news than it has been uh, if Russell Westbrook didn't just do it like four years ago. But um, center averaging a triple-double is just, I mean, that's otherworldly. So I, I do hope that Jokic ends up getting his third MVP. But, you know, the main goal here for the Nuggets is to accomplish what they haven't, and that's to – you know, have a really deep playoff run and give ourselves a chance of winning the finals um, because it's a team that's very capable of doing so. Um, you know, obviously in the bubble, we ran it to the Western Conference Finals with uh, the Lakers and ended up losing that series. But um, we haven't been able to get back there since, and the Nuggets have dealt with a ton of injuries. So I, I think the main focus here at the trade deadline is just to you know, bolster what we have, not not to rework it, not to change the starting lineup, but, you know, we need to uh, provide, uh, you know, maybe uh, the failsafe if, if we do run into injuries or just provide some consistency off the bench. And that's something that I've been reading into a lot in the past couple of weeks. And uh, the Nuggets bench this year has been rated pretty poorly. And uh, I mean, you know, when you have an MVP player like Jokic, um, you're going to run into issues when the bench comes in. And when he comes off the court, uh, the the game plan just changes entirely. Uh, and it's it's something that seems like the front office is looking into uh, changing, mainly in Bones Highland. I am a huge Bones fan. Um but there's just been rumors going around that front office is looking for someone with a little bit more experience who, you know, is a little bit more defensive minded to, to come off the bench and lead the bench. Um, Bones, for those of you who don't know, is a very um, free playing guard. He kind of just I mean, he is so fun to watch. Um, he is like one of the happiest basketball players I've ever seen take shots when he wants to. Uh, he's, he handles the ball well, uh, but it, he is definitely, and I wouldn't, you know, call him a selfish player, but you know, he, he likes to play that kind of basketball that I, I think, you know, modern day superstars are used to. And that's just kind of playing through himself. And I mean, it's no hit on him. This is just what the NBA is, but you know, when, when you have a bench that, uh, you know, definitely is trying to emulate the starting lineup and move the ball around well because that's just what Mike Malone's offense is, you know, having a player who demands the ball a little bit more can be tricky, and especially someone who doesn't uh, have as much experience as, you know, some of the other guards out there uh, running the backcourt off the bench. So um, and there's there's rumors going around that, Bones and Mike Malone are butting heads. I, I really don't believe that. Um, and and I, I think it comes from, you know, it, times during the game where Mike Malone kind of leans into Bones, like if he makes a stupid decision. But, you know, you hear him talk about it time and time again. And he's like, if I'm coaching you, it means I care about you. 
and it means that I respect you. And that's that's really all it is. I, I think if they end up trading Bones, I just want to throw this out there personally because it's it, these articles floating around of like them two button heads. It's just frustrating to me because I've seen Bones come up in the last two years and, you know, Mike Malone, how he handles himself as a coach. I don't think this is a personnel issue at all. Like I, you know, Bones is a good player. He's a fun player and Mike Malone respects that. And I know he does and just holds them to a high standard. So, you know, it's, if if the Nuggets decide to move Bones, it's for, you know, reason of uh, getting some more veteran leadership off the bench and being able to support a deep postseason run. Um, and it's it's not difference of opinion between coaches and player. I, I just I don't believe any part of those reports as a Nuggets fan who watches a lot of games. It's just very clearly not the issue. And I, I hate that that's the, um, you know, the the focal point of this trade deadline so far. And I think that's, what's been making the news. But to me, I, you know, I, I think it's a wise decision to go after some more veteran presence. Uh, if you're going to invest in making a postseason run and trying to win the finals, that's, that's kind of the best move you can make. Uh, don't touch the starting lineup, but I would be happy to see us move. Maybe, you know, some of our, more promising young players. I mean, it's painful to do that, but, you know, it, it would be smart to move some promising young players for, you know, some veteran talent um, and, you know, some consistency off the bench. Yeah, that's fair enough. And Bones is a great player. I'd take him on the Bulls. I'd give you yeah. pretty much pretty much anything for him um, outside that's- Outside yeah. of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, but you, you probably wouldn't want anybody else. But I think Alex Caruso would move the needle for you. I, I, yeah. think, I think a guy, another wing defender um, for you would be very beneficial to this team that I Agreed. think I think lacks a little bit of defensive versatility uh, at the wing yeah. position right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah other than the likes of Aaron Gordon, who is a very good defender. Uh, yeah. So we'll see, but they've, they've, I, I don't think there's any major changes in the works for the Nuggets. They're leading no. the West. Just They're some tweaks. Very, very talented roster and very well coached. And yeah. it's, it's scary for any team that has to go to Denver. And uh, because playing in, playing in the, uh, playing in the mountains, with that thinner air, it's it's tough for a lot of a lot of basketball teams to go to Denver and win. So, uh, I'd be very hopeful for you and and for my Bulls. If 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 Levar Ball has told me anything about the three Bs, then I I will say this: to the Bulls Bulls be better. Those are my three Bs for the Bulls. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, so, with without further ado, we'll move on to the goat. Yes, the goat. First of all. Before we move on from the NBA, hats off to LeBron James for breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's um, all-time leading scoring record. Speaking of the GOAT. Uh, no, not speaking of the GOAT. <laughs> Michael, Jordan, Michael Jordan was not in that building. Uh, but LeBron James is up there, and he de- deserves all the credit in the world. Albeit, I will take a little bit of a shot. They lost to the Thunder at home. In that game, the Thunder, 
yeah. team, a team who was trying to tank this year, and they lost to them at home. Yeah, I uh, so you know I I do appreciate your defense of Michael Jordan, um, and we won't you know jump into that too much. Uh, but yeah, like again, that, yeah, that's a discussion wrong. for any um, other day. Yeah, yeah, we could have that any day. <laughs> Um, but I will say, and, and I, I want to ask you this because you might have looked into it more than I did. Um, I saw something today about something about Anthony Davis not standing up to celebrate with LeBron after, um, you know, passing the record. Was that something of like a, uh, I don't know, like a protest to like, hey, like we're still playing the game, like stop celebrating? Or was that like just, a sign that he's not really close with LeBron or was it just taken out of context? I don't know. But did you see any of that? I did. He, he sat down when LeBron was about to take the fadeaway shot um, that ultimately put him ahead of Kareem. And he, and he sat down on the bench. He was the only teammate sitting on the bench and he looked so sad. And I, I, I don't know why. I mean, he clapped for LeBron sitting down, but it, it didn't look like he was that, happy for him and I think a lot of people are taking that way too seriously maybe there is something there maybe he had just gotten word that maybe the Lakers were willing to trade him for like Kevin Durant or something right right. throwing throwing his that that's the only thing I could really think of is that he just got some bad news or maybe something's in his personal life not going so well I I mean there's him and LeBron have a great relationship Right. They, they say they love each other. So I, I, I don't think there's any mal. I don't think there's any breakdown in the relationship between LeBron and AD. I, I think yeah. just something, something was going either in his personal life or some, maybe he was brought up in a trade and, and he just wasn't yeah. happy in that moment. But yeah, I, definitely I wouldn't, possible. Yeah. I wouldn't buy much into it, but this Lakers team as it stands right now, isn't going anywhere. And yeah. with LeBron and AD, and the likes of Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's they, they're putting all of the blame on him, but he still played pretty well this year. And in that game last night, uh, Russell Westbrook had 27. So it's not like he didn't he hasn't played his part this year. I mean, yes, he can't shoot the ball very well, which is not good for a team with LeBron James when he wants shooters to pass the ball to, because LeBron James is one of the best facilitators of all time. But yeah, hats off to LeBron James, best, uh, the the biggest all all time scorer ever, most points all time. That speaks to his longevity in the league and how good he's been since he came in. And for the past what fifteen years or, or something like that. I mean, he's incredible. He's an incredible Great. talent, and he's only Still gonna he's only gonna put more points on the board. I think he easily surpasses 40,000. Um, I think he's still got a couple more years in his legs. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any, any stopping LeBron, but scoring has not led to winning for him of recent. And uh, I think that needs that that needs to needs to change. Um, Cause I think, I think if he goes out without making the playoffs the past couple years of his career, um, that's not a that's not a great look for for him and the debate with the goat conversation with the likes of Kareem and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson in those discussions. So uh, 
and Kobe Bryant. So, yeah, I hats off. Congratulations, LeBron. And moving on from there to another GOAT, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is hanging it up at the, at the young age of 45 years old. He is, without a doubt, the GOAT of all GOATs quarterbacks. Seven Super Bowls. Probably will never be touched. Did it with two different teams, six with the Pats, one with the Bucks, And it's not like he was – I mean, he went out as a top – top half of the league quarterback this year, at least probably top 10 quarterback. I mean, he would obviously wasn't in the realm of Josh Allen hurts Mahomes and, and Burrow this year or Herbert even for that matter. But he was in that next tier of quarterbacks this year. So he hangs it up. I think he hangs it up at the right time. He's, he goes out pretty much on top and uh, yeah, I'll be set. I'm sad. I'm sad and I'll be sad when LeBron eventually retires because, you know, as much as I, I didn't really root for the Brady led Patriots. I mean, as giants fans, we were able to get the better of them in the super bowl with, with Eli Manning when being Tom Brady twice in the super bowl. But it, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's not like I was a huge Tom Brady fan, but I am a huge fan of what he was able to do for the game of football and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Tom Brady. I'm gonna miss watching, being able to watch the greatest of, of all time play on the field. One of the greatest of all time, ever. One of the greatest football players and one of the greatest competitors of all time. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's tough to see him go, but I mean, it feels it feels like uh, it's the right time. Um, you know, he was able to get his seventh with. The Buccaneers, so, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, and it's so tough to explain what he's meant to the game of football, and, I mean, dude spent half his career having Super Bowl seasons, like, I mean, and seven of which came to be championships, only lost three, so, like, I mean, this is a guy who, like, there's a 50% chance at the start of the year that your team is going to end up in the Super Bowl. And I just don't think that there are any parallels to that in any other sport. I, I mean, you know, maybe golf with Tiger Woods, but, like, it, you're only comparing him to the absolute great winners of all time. And, um, and, and I mean, he and Messi and Tiger, you know, it, like, that's just a different level of domination and a different level of, you know, being able to just win football games or you know those sporting games or whatever it is um just to the highest level and compete in the most stressful situations um and I, I think you know he's gonna forever be remembered as one of the greatest competitors of all time so it was cool to be able to see him play I mean like you said it's not like we you know rooted for him at all but I, I feel like uh you know everybody regardless of how they feel about the Patriots or Tom Brady or the Buccaneers, like everybody by the end of his career is like, damn, it was awesome to see that man play and see him do his thing. And, you know, it, I mean, it was, football was a craft to him. And, um, and so it was, it was just one of those things that was fun to watch. It was like, you know, I, I mean, 
it's it, it's not it, he didn't play the way that Aaron Rodgers played, you know, throwing on his back foot or you know, swinging sidearm throws like Patrick Mahomes, but you know, he just dedicated every single second of his career to you know, being better and working out and bettering his body and getting ready for the football season. And uh, I mean, I, I don't think you could tell me that anybody has worked harder than him for this. So it's, it's cool to see him get all that glory and be able to, you know, walk off into the sunset and retire this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he definitely will be missed. And I think you could definitely make an argument that he's on the Mount Rushmore of competitors of all time. So yeah, hats off to a great career, Tom Brady. You will be missed by many and uh, many Jets, Bills and and Dolphins fans are rejoicing right now that you are uh, you are finally hanging it up and hanging up your cleats. But back to what's what's happening in the NFL. There's one game left, the Pro Bowl flag football affair is over. We're back to real football. We got one game and there's a Rihanna concert in the middle of it at halftime, which should be awesome as well, but it's chiefs and Eagles and Beal. The last time we spoke, we we're both on the Eagles. Both said yeah. this is the team of destiny. This is the best roster assembled in a while. And they should be able to run the ball on the chiefs. And they should be able to, to eventually come away with a pretty not easy victory, but uh, be able to hold off um, the fireworks that that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey will bring, and be able to to take care of Kansas City in the Super Bowl in Arizona. Do you still feel that way? I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. I, I mean, nothing's changed for me. I, I think the Eagles look like. You know they're they're going to be able to handle the Chiefs, but I mean, regardless, it's going to be such a good game on Sunday. Uh, I would be absolutely shocked if it wasn't a one possession game at some point in the fourth quarter. Um, and both these quarterbacks are going to be tested uh, to a very high level. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, again, not rooting for the Eagles, but I do think they're going to win, and I'm going to stick by that decision. Okay, I, I, in my heart of hearts, think that the Eagles are going to steamroll and win this game by two touchdowns, and we will not have a, a great game to watch. But, well, well, but as much as I said this team is a team of destiny, their mayor is talking a lot about the proposed parade plans for this team. And after Travis Kelsey just called out Cincinnati's mayor after winning the the AFC championship game, I think it's set up for that as well. I, I, I don't the, – there's not a lot of revenge, um, like, storylines heading into this other than Andy Reid was let go of the Eagles and, and said – we don't want you anymore as and the GM for the Eagles, the ownership of the Eagles, still the same. Howie Roseman is still in charge of this, this football team, general manager of this football team. I don't think Andy Reid probably holds any bad blood towards the Eagles. 
but maybe he does. And then maybe this is the Andy Reid revenge story. There's also a little bit on the other side, Nick Sirianni, head coach for the Eagles, was a coach in Kansas City when Andy Reid came on to lead that staff and was let go in Kansas City. So both coaches have a little bit of, uh, of you know, of a little bit of a revenge story if they're able to win this game. And and if we're just looking mano y mano, coach v coach, I'm taking Andy Reid all day, and I don't think it's even a question because. I don't think, yeah, maybe. And, and I think Sirianni definitely has, has something to prove, especially because Julian Love, our New York Giants football safety. Um, he, Julian. Uh, Julian Love, yeah. He uh, he said Nick Sirianni is at a free ride with this team and that anybody could have coached this team to a Super Bowl. Wow. That light, that lights a, that. Yeah, that lights a fire under a guy. Oh, yeah. And I, I think – I think that added fire is something that didn't need it, did not, I did not want a Giants player of all players to give that fire to the Eagles. And yeah, I, for the sake of the podcast, Beal, just because I, you had picked the Eagles initially to go to the Super Bowl, not to win it. You had the Bills, but I had the Niners versus 49ers, Niners versus uh, Chiefs, rather, the whole season and the Niners getting revenge. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I, I think with Tom Brady retiring, this is my thought process, he has seven Super Bowls. The only guy that's been talked about who can maybe chase him down right now is Mahomes. Mahomes has one. If he gets his second here, there'll be a lot of talk about maybe down the line he can – he can chase Brady down. And I, I think keeping that storyline alive for the league would would make Mahomes into the new Brady in the AFC and uh, and Andy Reid into the next Belichick. But, you know, I that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the storyline because the Eagles winning, yeah, would be nice. They had a great season. They put together their great roster. But what's really the storyline? I mean, they have just a bunch of studs on their roster. They're, they're just loaded everywhere. And maybe I'm missing something. They're maybe absolutely loaded. Maybe Jalen Hurts, second-round pick. He was, you know, underdog story. He was benched by at Alabama. I guess I guess that's a storyline. You can that's a feel-good story. But I think for the long haul for the league. I'm going with the Chiefs. Also, if Vegas has anything to do with this, a lot, the majority of the money is going on the city of brotherly love. So I am going with the city that's back with great barbecue and uh, and not – the city that's that's home to Rocky, all all four of those Rocky movies. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, but I, I like it, the confidence. Um, I'm just, I am not confident. Like, there's no confidence whatsoever. This is strictly based on storyline and storyline alone. I don't care about enough. the players on the field. I'm just talking about the NFL and their storyline, and fair then enough. Vegas sprinkled in. 
you know, thinking about what's best for Vegas in this game yeah. and the NFL. That's all I'm basing it on. The gotcha. Eagles are the better team. I still believe that. The Eagles are the better team. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, at any given Sunday, and I can't wait to watch this game. I'm sad it's the last football game of this this football season, but I hope it's a good one. I hope that it's at least a competitive football game, unlike the last couple Eagles games that they've played. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. So Beal, enjoy the Super Bowl. We will be back Monday night to discuss Super Bowl and wrap up the NBA trade deadline, which is tomorrow at 3 p.m. And uh, everybody have a great weekend. As always, we love y'all. Thank you for the support. Enjoy your sunsets, your sunrises, your brunches, your lunners. And to both Kansas City and Philadelphia fans, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Not every team gets the Super Bowl every year. And you guys look like you're loaded for the future and loaded now. And uh, just enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, everybody have a great time with Super Bowl festivities. Beal, take us out. Jokic for MVP.